0: Surprisingly, I believe. Wait for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my Welcome into the I Punt cold. and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, week six is in the book. We need to slow this college football season down. It is flying by, and there were some awesome games this past weekend. We will tell everybody how those went and how our picks went and what to expect in Week 7. We'll also give everybody Rays 8 and the Davey O'Brien a great 8. That, of course, is the top 8 punters and the top 8 quarterbacks of last week's action. And, man, big-time games inside the SEC, big-time games all across college football. What another great weekend, so let's talk about it. Right off the bat. The biggest game, Aaron, was of course that 330 SEC on CBS game. Number five LSU heads to number twenty-two, Florida. They play this one in the swamp. And wow, Dan Mullen and the Gators get a huge victory. They beat the Bayou Bengals twenty-seven to nineteen. So much has been being said about Florida this year. They lose to Kentucky. Now they feel like they're back on top. Are they the second best team in the SEC East?
1: I don't know how you could put Florida as the best second best team in the East. Obviously they lost to Kentucky. So they had their head up head to head matchup with the Wildcats, Wildcats won, So I think you have to give the edge right now to Kentucky, but that, that that's a hell of a win. I mean, to go in there, obviously you're at home, you get the home field advantage to beat LSU. And I I thought LSU looked good though. I mean, LSU's defense looks solid offensively that that was the question mark all year. And still the question mark going for us this season, and I know your quarterback played well, but can, can he win you games? We know the defense for LSU is going to keep you in it. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to come down to the end. It's going to come down to a fourth quarter, but I'm still not sold. But Felipe Franks, how about Felipe? Obviously the bad interception, that's some pressure in his face, threw it up. Um, but for the majority of the game, I, I know the, the stats aren't super sexy, but he, he didn't lose the game and he made enough plays to win. That's something that is a good sign if you are a Gator fan and and you're seeing the progression from last year in the big moments, Felipe Franks, those type of games, you'd expect him to throw three, maybe yeah. four interceptions. All of a sudden now he's protecting the football better. He's not forcing balls down the football field. He's not relying on his arm strength to try to make play after play after play. He's getting through his reads. He's checking it down. And I think Dan Mullen's been a great job just keeping it simple. And that's what you need with a quarterback who we keep saying he's talented, he's big, strong arm, he's accurate when he wants to be. It's about just keeping it simple for him, not not expecting a lot and, and understanding that, hey, we're a long way away from being a Florida team that's going to score 40, 50 points a game. But with our defense, if we can, like I said, protect the football, we'll be fine. And then we talked about that, that can be the difference maker. Joe Burrow on the other side, though, yeah. two interceptions – And I think that's what cost them the football game for LSU.
0: So did LSU and Burrow kind of show their true colors? Because I know you've been skeptical to get on this bandwagon that really has probably been the most surprising team in all of college football through the first five weeks. And you're kind of sitting there going, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then last week, of course, you picked LSU minus the two and a half points. And so did I. So we were both wrong. But look what happened. The offense we were, looked a we bit bought pedestrian. Into the, media fort, the vortex. Yeah, the media we bought vortex. into the vortex. You know, Burrow <laughs> looked a bit pedestrian. The LSU offense didn't really get click in. Did they show their true colors, or was Florida's defense really um, kind of that good this far through the season?
1: I think Florida's defense looked looked dang good, and especially the front four. I mean, they were able to get pressure. You flip it around LSU when they would only bring four defenders, could not get any kind of pressure on Felipe Franks. Florida's especially the defensive ends, and then Grantham once again continuing to to bring his pre- exotic pressures to the first three quarters, really dictate that game early. So they they look good, but listen, I wouldn't I wasn't sold on LSU in this offense and in Burrow early in the season. I think he's shown. I think he's so some steps. I thought he looked very accurate early in the football game. I thought he made some impressive throws. Obviously, the two interceptions is not great. But overall, I, I do think this LSU offense has impressed me more than I was expecting so far this season. And listen, they got the dogs at home next week, so we'll see what they can do uh, when they don't have to deal with noise crowd.
0: Yeah, what a big game they have coming up. Inside Tiger Stadium, Death Valley, Georgia, the number two team in the nation, now heading to LSU, who I believe is ranked 13th. They fall back from number five all the way to 13, Aaron, after losing to a top 25 team in Florida. I thought college game day would go, but they are headed to Wisconsin, Michigan, so...
1: That's because they know the Big Ten's best conference, right, Drew?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess they listen to Punt yeah, earlier and, in the and season. And my,
1: my Michigan State team's looking real hot too yeah. after that loss. <laughs> I mean, come on, Michigan State. That's like really not
0: ideal. Yeah, that's not ideal. You were extremely Lewerke. high on the Big Ten East. And that is not looking yeah. too good. Well, listen. Thus far. You know,
1: it it's it's I think Michigan State, that was the big expectation of them being competitive with all the starters they have back, especially the worky, their quarterback, dual threat guy. And, and, obviously, they've played just very poorly this season with two losses. But, listen, we still got, they got Ohio State, Michigan's winning. It's just, listen, nothing compares to the SEC, so we'll stick with that conference.
0: No, there's no doubt. Nothing compares to the SEC, and that shows through the first— Six weeks of the season, I mean, you had four teams inside the top 10. Obviously, Auburn gets knocked off. We'll talk about that in a bit. And then LSU loses. So Georgia and Alabama, cream of the crop at one and two. And then there's just littered throughout the top 25. So the SEC is looking like the powerhouse that it has been advertised to be. One more question for you about this Florida LSU game before we move on to the next one here. What's your biggest takeaway? People were kind of calling this a heavyweight matchup. I get on Twitter and I see Kirk Curbstreet puts up a video just praising Dan Mullen, saying, man, if he's doing things this quick in Gainesville – he's going to have a lot of success in the swamp. I kind of said, well, you know, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, he's got to pick up the recruiting. And again, they just be they have to be a little bit more consistent on both sides of the ball for me to say he's building something special in Gainesville.
1: I think he is. Listen, you go back to his time at Mississippi State, his ability to go out there and win with lesser talent, and they're still – they're not there yet talent-wise at Florida to be able to go in there and compete with – they may be able to make the game in Jacksonville somewhat competitive. I still think the Dogs are more talented football team, and obviously they're still a long way away from even being close to what Alabama has and, and what Alabama's built. But I think they're heading in the right direction. You're getting these big wins, and, and then you look at the rest of the state of Florida. Obviously, Florida State is down. Miami's Miami's good. I, I still think Florida's a little bit of a sexier situation. Um, so I mean, you're going to be able to recruit, get top-notch talent. In that states, so I don't think he's worried about recruiting and being able to build that that program. They're getting a new facility, uh, a new indoor, all that great stuff. So I think they're heading in the right direction. I really do. I think he's a heck of a football coach and we're seeing it already in this first season.
0: Yeah, he gave a lot of props to Florida in that short Twitter video. This, of course, being Kirk Herbstreit. And and again, big time win for the Gators. They beat the number five team LSU 27 to 19. The other team he talked about, Aaron, and he was kind of gushing over Texas and Sam Ellinger, their quarterback. Texas upsets number seven Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout, 48 to 45. This was a very fun game to watch, and the player of the game, Aaron, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, they had a great day. He was 24 35 for 314 yards and two touchdowns with. Three rushing touchdowns now he obviously kind of was that X factor until Dicker the kicker came in at the very end. the freshman Dicker who looks the like, kicker, He looks like he's about Dicker the
1: kicker T-shirts.
0: <laughs> he looks like he's about 12 years old. I said after he made that field goal, I really hope he doesn't have a girlfriend for his own sake. but this was a huge win for Tom Herman in Texas, and if you watched it, Texas really pulled away. This game was not that close. Oklahoma came back late. And Kyler Murray, again, I mean, Kyler Murray was a stud, 19-26, 300 yards, four passing touchdowns, and then another 100 yards on the ground. It's crazy,
1: man. Oh, he's unbelievable. I mean, his ability to get that team back, uh, to make it competitive, I, I, I kind of, because I was in the hotel, I was watching pretty much three games, two on my iPads and then one on the TV. So I was flipping back and forth and then studying for my game that night. So as soon as Texas got up by 21, I kind of – I still had it on, but I wasn't really paying attention. All of a sudden, like seven minutes later, I look up and it's, it's only a seven-point game in Oklahoma as a football. I was like, "What? What, what happened?" Yeah. So uh, it it, it was a crazy. By three touchdowns going into I the know. fourth quarter. I know. It was crazy, but that's what happens when you got a guy like Kyler Murray and obviously that kind of explosive offense. You can score. You can score fast, and I don't think this really hurts him too much in the Heisman contention. I mean, he still showed an unbelievable performance, but Sam Ellinger, I mean, what? You can't say enough about him going in there. I love the videos the entire day. You know him growing up as like a little kid saying, "I'm, you know, I'm Texas' future starting quarterback," all that great stuff. And and he proved it on the biggest stage. Obviously, very impressive with his arm, but his legs were key in that game. The rushing touchdowns, getting first downs with his legs when nothing was open, and that was a fun game. And and you got to say, listen, Texas started the season off really slow. Obviously, the loss to Maryland, a close one to Tulsa. That almost came back and 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 won that game, but then lately they've been playing Texas football, very competitive. Obviously, winning, and now they're five and one, and, and they're in the top twenty. So props off to that Texas team. And then for Oklahoma, right now, the they, news is they fired their their defensive coordinator, Mike yeah. Stoops, which is you know that's that's that. Listen, the Big Twelve, <laughs> the, the defense. Wow, I don't know how any defensive coordinator uh, has a job because it's been pretty piss poor for the past few seasons i don't know if it's just like okay we're just going to accept the fact that you know no matter who's our guy they're going to be giving up 40 plus points a game but that's that was not a great showing and and honestly it hasn't been a great showing uh, for the past couple years
0: yeah it's tough to let up 48 points against your best rival in texas i mean the red river shootout one of the hallmark rivalries in all of college football but This game is known for a lot of points, and if you go back to last Thursday's preview of Week 6, Aaron, my lock of the week was the first half over in the Texas-Oklahoma game. I didn't even know what the points were, but I just said, take the over, because you and I talked about it. If you watch this game year after year, it's points all over the place in any way you can find them. The first half over ended up being 31 points, Aaron— and they scored 41 in the first half. It's a no-brainer, but it just goes to show you that these teams, for whatever reason, know how to get the ball into the end zone when they match up against each other. So, Unfortunately for Mike Stoops, he gets the ax as Oklahoma's defensive coordinator, and they are looking for answers. But I agree with you. I don't think this will hurt Kyler Murray's Heisman contention because his stat line is just absolutely unbelievable. As of right now, I wouldn't really worry too much about it because the stat lines that Tua Tungvaluo is putting up every single week. Yeah, and,
1: and no one beating him it's right now.
0: Absolutely insane. And Will
1: Greer. Will Greer had a good, good game for West Virginia, but three interceptions. So I'm not saying that throws him out of the contention, but when you have a guy who has, you know, very close to as many incompletions as he does touchdowns with what is it, 23 incompletions and 18 touchdowns? Yes, did I send that, you that? that's Yeah, that's going to be hard to beat.
0: That is honestly amazing, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But again, Texas beats Oklahoma 48-45, to and you just mentioned Will Greer in West Virginia. The Big 12 is one conference to really watch throughout these next few weeks because I want to see Oklahoma and West Virginia. I want to see Texas, if they can continue this ride. Let's keep in mind, Oklahoma's won the Big 12 three straight years. I wonder if they'll be able to make it more.
1: You know, you know who's happy about that Oklahoma loss is obviously Notre Dame right now. Oh, absolutely. And I still think I still think Notre Dame, if if, there's, if Notre Dame's undefeated, they'd belong in the Final Four somehow. I mean, they have to jump someone. But this just—we always say things will slowly clear themselves as the season goes on. I think Oklahoma still has a really good shot, and probably will be favored to beat West Virginia. Um, so if you have a one-loss Big Twelve team. I think that then opens the door, like I said, for um, Notre Dame to get in because obviously Notre Dame's going to go over a Pac-12 team because there's not going to be anyone undefeated in the Pac-12. If there's no one undefeated in the Big 12, now every th- everyone can calm down a little bit and, and, and have a better feeling of Notre Dame getting in there.
0: Okay, if Notre Dame's undefeated, there's only one team in America that could get in ahead of them and not have yeah. to win their conference and only have yeah. one loss, and
1: who's that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're not going to have any losses, so there's no there's no even reason to start this debate because okay. there's no chance anyone is being Alabama right now. Okay. So unless unless the injury bug somehow sets in like it did last year, I mean, listen, it could happen. You you on plenty of teams, you know, sometimes injuries start piling up, and that's what really caused them to lose that game to Auburn last year. If if, if they were fully healthy, I bet you they win that game, but they just they were just banged up. Um, and then you saw once they got healthy what they could do on the football field.
0: Absolutely. It does not look like anybody could beat Alabama right now, but don't get it twisted. If Alabama somehow were to lose a game and not even play for the SEC championship or lose the SEC championship, okay, and Notre Dame is undefeated, Bet your ass that Nick Saban would bitch and moan and complain his way into the college football playoff. There's no way that that would not happen. But big props to Texas and Dicker, the kicker, the true freshman who looks like he's 12 years old, seals it with a 40-yarder to win the game. They beat Oklahoma 48-45. to Aaron, next game, Kentucky loses their first game of the season at Texas A&M. This game went into overtime. Kentucky's kicker missed a 43-yarder in overtime to put them up. Texas A&M turns around, scores a touchdown to win the game, 20-14. to 14. We talked about it last week. Will Texas A&M on defense sell out to stop Benny Snell, therefore giving them the best chance to win? Of course they did. He had 13 carries for only 60 yards. This was a must-win situation for Texas A&M. My question here, though, is, Will Kentucky start reeling at this point in the season?
1: No, because they're still a good football team. And we've seen good teams go in there and obviously Clemson and play A&M on the road and struggle. And in Kentucky, I mean, that is a tough environment. And I thought A&M – listen, A&M's played well this season. I mean, even in, in the loss to uh, – excuse me, to Alabama, they had moments where you're like, okay, that's, that's, this is a decent football team right here. I mean, this team isn't obviously Alabama – But they had flashes and they had flashes offensively. It came down to what what Kellen Mond are we going to get? Are we going to get a turnover type of Kellen Mond? Are we going to get a quarterback who's going to protect the football, move his team up and down the football field? And then I thought he played well for the game. Obviously, two touchdowns. He did have the one pick. But Travion Williams had another great game running the football for that A&M team. But I was expecting Kentucky to struggle offensively. They did. Uh, it's just you knew with that noisy environment, they're going to stack the box. They have plenty of athletes on that defense side of the football. They're playing tougher type of football under Jimbo Fisher. And uh, that was a big win. That was an impressive win for A&M to get the four and two. But I think Kentucky's fine. You know they, They're going to continue to play good offense. I think they're going to continue to play very, very good defense. Uh, and I still think they have the recipe to be, con- be con- uh, competitive against teams um but it's i like him versus vandy i like him at missouri i like him at tennessee i like him Louisville. so i really they should win still win in my mind the rest of their games besides obviously the game when georgia heads there to kentucky
0: yeah so kentucky now um obviously would have to be georgia at home and if they take care of business leading up to that game which is november 3rd that will be the biggest game Inside Commonwealth Stadium, formerly known as Commonwealth Stadium, now known as Kroger Field. And it will be a huge matchup for Georgia to probably continue rolling through the SEC East. And we're going to get into that Georgia game. They beat Vanderbilt this past weekend in just a second. But I find it funny. The media vortex is talking about, wow, Kentucky's for real. They could go 12-0. I don't see how they can lose this game. I can see them beating Georgia inside Commonwealth Stadium in November, and then they lose, and now it's kind of like, well, you know, let's just kind of reevaluate everything. Look, if you stop Benny Snell, I don't think they have the weapons on the perimeter, Aaron, to let Terry Wilson take over a football game. Their defense is pretty good. I mean, holding Kellen Mund only 14 points in an entire game speaks for itself, but I just don't think they have the experience and or the leadership to win big-time football games on the road or against much better Opponents Florida, obviously, earlier in the season, were not as good as they are in week six. They were able to knock off the Gators. But going into Texas A&M, that would have been a huge win for the Wildcats. They just aren't able to get over that hump yet. Am I saying they're not for real? No, I think they're a good football team. But I don't firmly believe they are one of the top ten teams in the nation, even if they would have beaten Texas A&M, so they get a little bit of a dose of reality. And I'll be interested to watch and see how they react to a loss, a hard loss like they had this past weekend in College Station. One of the reasons, Aaron, that they did lose this game is because they lost the field position battle. And man, Texas A&M's punter, Braden Mann, had himself a day and because of that he has found himself on Rays eight that of course is the top eight punters of the week presented to you by the Ray guy award so get this Braden man had five punts for a 59.6 yard average a 52 yard net he did have two touchbacks but he also had two punts inside the 20. Dude, he had four punts over 50 yards with a long of 82. 82 yards is the longest punt in football this season. So he was on there. Jack Rice from Fox was on there. He had a great day. 45-yard average, 44-yard net. Jake Julian from Eastern Michigan. I bet he was feeling pretty good. He had a 73-yard punt, 48-yard net. 73-yard punt. He's probably walking off the field here and going, man. Great day for me until he looks at his yep. phone and Braden Man had an 82-yarder. Man, Jake Julian, great punt. James Smith from Cincinnati. These guys are all punting and limiting the return yards, so big-time net numbers. He netted 50 yards. Jamie Sackville from Southern Methodist. He had a great day. Stephon Flintoff from UCLA finds himself on this list again. 55-yard gross average, 48-yard net average with a long of 60. Thomas Bennett from Tulsa. Four punts, 54-yard average, 50-yard average net. And Zach Siner, he's been on this list a lot as well, from Oklahoma State. He had a 45-yard gross and net average with a long of 55. These are big numbers, Aaron. Congratulations to all these guys. Braden Mann from A&M, Jack Fox from Rice, Jake Julian from Eastern Michigan, James Smith from Cincinnati, Jamie Sackville from Southern Methodist, Stephon Flintoff from UCLA, Thomas Bennett from Tulsa, and Zach Siner from Oklahoma State. I'll give you the punter of the week on Thursday, but those numbers just kind of tell me why I'm not punting anymore.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's impressive. I'm going to dive into the, uh, the Davy O'Brien's grade eight. We had some great quarterback play. Uh, we'll start with Sam Ellinger, obviously, from Texas. We talked about his day, not only passing the football, but added three rushing touchdowns as well, and that's a big win. I could see him being the guy this week. Nick Fitzgerald, not a great day passing it, but found a way to run the football 195 yards and two touchdowns. Dwayne keeps doing Dwayne Haskins things. Six touchdowns, 455 yards. A close one early versus Indiana. Ohio State did not look yeah. good in the first half. Came out and ended up dominating and win that game 49 to 26. Jordan Love, how about Utah State? I mean, Utah State just keeps winning games, and that's a big one over BYU mostly because of him, four touchdowns, no interceptions, added another one on the ground. Brock Purdy from Iowa State, four touchdowns, one interception, added another touchdown as well. A lot of rushing touchdowns. These yeah, quarterbacks. Big time. They know that they know that it's six points for fantasy and not four for throwing it, so <laughs> just making fantasy owners love happy. It. Uh, Brent Stockstill from Middle Tennessee, he broke 10,000 career yards passing, so good for him. Two touchdowns and then look what do you know another one through the through the on the on the ground, and then our boy Tua Tungavailoa just keeps dicing. Them I up. mean four this touchdowns, is insane. More touchdowns and incompletions once again ten to thirteen three thirty four uh, against a uh, Arkansas team and then uh, what about Alabama's defense they just suck God Alabama's yeah awful. I can't
0: believe Arkansas scored that many points God
1: what the heck Alabama uh, Clay and Thorson from Northwestern rounds it up. Uh, with three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, with a big win over my poor Michigan State team that lost <laughs> once again this season. What I mean, these quarterbacks
0: as well, man. It's just crazy the stats that these guys are putting up. Congratulations to the Great Eight the Davy O'Brien Awards: top eight quarterbacks of the week to Atungo Viloa, more touchdowns than incompletions. Uh, I mean, that just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. But we will give you the. Quarterback of the week and the punter of the week from the Ray Guy Award and the Davey O'Brien Award on Thursday. All right, Aaron, let's wrap this thing up. Mississippi State, I picked them. I wanted the three points. They got Auburn at home. And, man, Auburn needs to find an identity. Je- Jarrett Stidham, our boy, he looked pedestrian. Not the oh, best day for him. They just have no identity on the no, of offense. No, their offense,
1: they're a the loss. They don't know what they're doing. The Cowbells were in their year at Mississippi State. It just – it was not great. And I, listen, Nick Fitzgerald, I think he was playing for his job this week. Yeah. And still, he, I mean, he's just not – he's not a passer. So, I mean, we're going to see it's still only midway through the season. Are they going to stick with him for the entire season? I, I don't know if they are. Obviously, he helped himself out with a big day on the ground. But to, to expect to stay, one, healthy doing that, and two, to be successful just only – being a one dimensional quarterback and we're not even talking about throwing the ball. We're talking about a one dimensional quarterback just running it. I think he in this team still is going to struggle going forward for Mississippi State. And Auburn though, like you said it, it's just the defense is playing okay. They're not playing the way we thought they would play. And then offensively, it's just what what is this Auburn offense? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. And it just not looked great right now at four and two for them.
0: I called it on our digital show, Campus Store Live, last week. I want to see Tennessee take on Auburn this upcoming weekend. I think that could be Jeremy Pruitt's ability to hang his hat on one victory and reel back in that Vol fan base. So uh, Auburn better figure it out quick because I think Tennessee sees a little bit of a kink in the armor. All right, Notre Dame pulls away from Virginia Tech. Ian Book seems to be the answer. You called this the day he started, 25-35 and for two touchdowns. And 273 yards. They remain undefeated with another
1: road win over. They're the top a top four team. Are they not a top four team? And I they think belong. they are. Is they're looking very solid. I think. I think they could be. Off. I think you could put Notre Dame at two or three. Honestly, if, I if believe I that a, as well. I believe that as well. I, I think they're two. I think Alabama won. I like. I like Notre Dame at two. I mean, who would you put above them? Who has? Who has looked that good this in season? I think their wins. I mean, they just went into Virginia Tech on the road and won forty five twenty three. 23 Virginia, they keep in mind, Sanford. they don't
0: have their quarterback. But, yes, I agree with you. A but huge still, road win.
1: Yeah, it's a huge—it's wor- not like they just won. I mean, they won by 22 points. Yes. I mean, that's a heck of a victory right there. Stomping a good defense on the road, noisy environment, Sandman's there, all that good stuff. So that's—I I think right now Notre Dame is playing better football than anyone else in the country besides Alabama.
0: I would agree with you. And, you know, The question is, is, will they be able to continue it? Will Ian Book re- be able to keep that hot hand throughout the rest of the season? Now, a team that gives them a lot of fits historically is happening this weekend. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Panthers. Now, I know they're not very good, but Pitt is heading to South Bend. And believe me when I tell you this, Pitt has upset Notre Dame when Notre Dame has looked very, very good throughout the first half of the season. So that will be interesting to watch. Florida State not going to be able to take care of business. Syracuse maybe towards the end of the season. Northwestern showing a little bit of ability, but again, Notre Dame looks good, not only on offense now with Ian Book, but on defense as well. So Aaron, I agree with you. They're a top four team right now. You could probably find a spot for them at 2 or 3 but they are ranked number 5 in the nation now after another road top 25 victory and a team that you and I will be able to talk about a lot in this Thursday's episode of Punt and Pass is of course the Georgia Bulldogs the number 2 George, number 2 ranked Georgia Bulldogs beat Vanderbilt 41 to 13 and they trailed for the first time all season when Vanderbilt kicked a field goal Off their first or second drive of the game, dogs were down 3-0. Then once Georgia scores and builds their leads, it really doesn't even get close. They pull away 41-13, a nice sequence to end the first half, get a touchdown, get the ball back after halftime, score a touchdown again. And that was all she wrote. But Aaron, this team looks sloppy. They look undisciplined, and they have a lot of penalties. I know Kirby Smart cannot be too happy about that. And look, when you pride yourself on being a tight fit uniform and being a very well disciplined and well coached team, and you're burning timeouts in the first quarter because you can't get the right personnel on the field, that's just a bad look. And if that happens this upcoming weekend in Baton Rouge against LSU, man, Georgia better wake up quickly because yeah, I don't they, want they, it, I don't want it to get out of hand like it did against Auburn at Auburn last year.
1: Yeah, it could. They got to get it fixed. I mean, obviously, it's still a win's a win. But 13 penalties, 115 yards, you're, you're not going to win when you play at LSU. And shoot, you're not going to win versus Florida if you play like that. No. I mean, it's, you know, they got two tough games coming up. Obviously, they have a bye week in between to hopefully get things fixed up. But you look at their next three games, LSU, Florida, Kentucky, shoot, next four games, in Auburn. I mean, they got the, the toughest stretch of their season is about to happen. You'd expect midway through the year that they wouldn't be making the same mistakes that we saw in week one and week two. And we're still seeing them. We're still seeing them stick their little nose out there. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if they need some more 6 a.m. runs or what. But you got to play more discipline. And and still my issue is, are expectations too high for this Georgia team? Are we expecting this team to be the team we saw last year? Is that fair to assume that Georgia is Alabama, where it's just going to be every year, that it's just going to be perfection, or are they still a couple of years away. I don't, I don't know. I think that I do think the expectations are a little bit too high from the fan base and maybe from in that building as well. Yes, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Yes, they're very good, but uh, they're still a young football team. There's a lot of growing to be done, and, and there's going to be some bumps. But hopefully they can get some of those corrected because they're going to need to. Versus a very good LSU team on the road.
0: I don't think expectations are too high, Aaron. I just honestly think it's the lack of senior leadership, right? George is just throwing their helmets out onto the field against a much lesser opponent in Vanderbilt and saying, well, we can kind of jog through it for the first uh, 20, 25 minutes. And then when we really need to, like at the end of the first half, score a touchdown, get the ball back, score a touchdown again, we'll be able to take care of business. Now, A game where they have been able, where they needed to get off to a fast start at South Carolina, they smoked the Gamecocks. A game where they are going to need to get up and be ready to rock and roll from opening kickoff is happening this weekend at LSU. And then they get a bye week, and then they got to go to Jacksonville and do it again. And then they got to turn around and go to Lexington and play Kentucky again, right? So... This is the stretch of Georgia's schedule that everybody had pointed out before the season even started, and now you're playing a top 15 team in LSU, a top probably 15 team in Florida, and then another top 15 team in Kentucky. And again, none of these games are in Athens. So Georgia's got to wake up quickly, and they need to find some senior leadership to say, guys, stop messing around. No more bullshit. we got to take care of business like they did a year ago. So – we're all going to find out what Georgia's made of in the next couple of weeks. But it's so funny because Georgia is killing people. They cover the 26 and a half. You and I were both right. I, of course, went 4-2 this past weekend. Aaron, you went 2-4, mm-hmm. and four, so I need to help you this mm-hmm. week. We'll get you back on track. But Gosh. Georgia's taking care of business. They're winning games by double digits, but everybody is putting them up against Alabama, which doesn't make sense right now, and, of course, comparing them to last season's Georgia Bulldogs. So let's let this team continue to grow. This next month is going to be huge for Georgia. And if they take care of business, oh, yeah, put them right there in the top five, and they'll be ready to roll.
1: Yeah, listen, it's, it's, this is the big test. We said it that the next four games. If they can get through this undefeated, then you start talking about this team legitimately having a chance to – to take on Alabama and Atlanta for the SC championship game. But a lot of season to go. We're going to see these are big games and some big games on the road, some big rivalry games. So uh, we'll see what the dogs can do.
0: No doubt. Anything on the way out? We're going to have a lot of fun talking about that Georgia LSU game coming up this weekend, and uh many more top twenty-five games to touch on Thursday's episode. I know you got a busy week, Aaron, but um, anything you want to tell our listeners before hey, we wrap this thing up?
1: Last big thing for me, but big shout out to Mark Rick. That's a big win for no doubt. Touch on it, but Miami big win, big comeback. uh Perry, young quarterback, got his feet a little a little rough start to start the game, but really got his feet going a little bit in that second half, dominated, and that's a big win for Miami against Florida State.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to CMR and those Miami Hurricanes for winning that big rivalry against Florida State, and uh, we will talk to everybody on Thursday to preview a great Week 7 in college football. For Aaron, I'm Drew. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron
1: Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13 We'll talk to you on Thursday. See you!